This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. I'm your host, Lorez, and tonight we are going to be discussing the brand new Rob Zombie film, Three from Hell, a new motion picture that was screened for one night only in Fathom Events. And then, due to popular demand, it got another screening, maybe about two weeks later. And now it's out on streaming, I believe. How do you figure we go about doing this? I say we make a house call. Let me go over and help him. Sit down. I demand that you spring my sister from the clink and deliver her to me ASAP. You uh, look like the girl that's on TV. The one that escaped from prison. That's me. Baby back, I'm a big fan of the previous one. I just want to start with that because I didn't really like anything about this movie. Lords of Salem, the Rob Zombie movie that preceded this. Yes. Is that the witch's one? I, I haven't seen that one. That takes place in Salem, Massachusetts, and it is indeed about witches, and it stars Sherry Moon Zombie as a, a girl who is uh, bewitched. But it's also, like, dirty, right? It's like the same aesthetic, even if it's in mass. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's a novelization of that movie that is really good, and it's written by Brian Evans, I believe the author's name is, and it doesn't share the tone of the movie whatsoever. It feels kind of like, if you were to read the novel, you would think that the movie was something like the 1970s Omen film. Okay. So I read that book, and then I tuned into Lords of Salem, and I was greatly disappointed that Zombies film could not live up to... It's own novelization. Mm -hmm. Very terrible. Do you want to start? Should I start? (laughs) Listen, I'm a fan of the House of a Thousand Corpses Mm -hmm. film and more so Devil's Rejects. I thought both of those were well made. I don't think Rob Zombie is a bad director by any means in some ways. But as far as the... I mean, technically speaking. I think he's one of those directors that needs someone next to him to tell him, hey, you're you're being too much of you. It's too Rob Zombie. You know, you're you're getting lost on focusing too much on making you and not realize that this shit is not making any sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, like, I mean, I, look, when I say he's not a bad director, I, I mean he's not a bad director, but that doesn't mean he doesn't make bad film. Hmm. And I think Three from Hell is not his worst movie, but it's pretty far from uh, being something that, at least in this day and age, could be considered good. I think if this was released in 2005 or 2006, it would have more positive reviews than now. It just feels kind of dated overall, though. It does feel like a capsule from those days, but I, I, I don't know. It kind of felt like a tamer episode of a Devil's Reject series, if that was a thing. You know, like they tried to do pretty much the same thing with a new character that was not as interesting as the previous one that died. Um, and and then the story just goes nowhere. Like they just go. Did to, you think that character was bad, though? I just didn't care for him. Like, I, I felt like he his dialogue and his actions and everything felt like a fan of Devil's Rejects got into the movie and was acting in the movie. So like every line that he delivered and everything was, it, it felt like someone trying to be uh, one of those characters. What is the, the, what is the family called? The, the Firefly family? Yeah. So it felt like it was someone putting it on. It didn't feel as natural or as, as real as Captain Spaulding, I guess. 
Right. I mean, it, it's a tough sell to include a brand new character in the third film of this series, I guess, and try to make him vibe as well as Captain Spaulding did with these two other characters that are clearly defined. I think he struggles to have his own personality. He's a little too much like Bill Mosley's character. Mm. Yeah. I, but he but he does have that grit that Captain uh, Spaulding had. But it does, I don't know. It just doesn't feel... It doesn't feel like he's clearly, I don't know. I just don't think he has enough definition to him as a character. Was he mentioned before? No, he's brand new to this film. Right. Yeah, it just, I guess it just felt, after watching two other movies where you care about these other two characters, because Otis is, uh, Otis was fun until this one. I didn't really care for him for this one because it, it really felt like, they ended the last movie and then a week went by and then we're back with him because he had the same like shitty jokey dialogue, like the same lame, uh, uh, you know, trying to be clever and rapey at the same time. But it just it just didn't work for me this time. I don't know if it, if it's because, you know, we've seen it in two previous movies and it's been 10 years and now it kind of feels like uh, like it's stuck in, you know, that time. Uh, I just don't feel I like... I think that plays a large part of it. The dialogue feels extremely like 2006 Rob Zombie. Like, it, nothing has changed. He picked up right where he left off as far as... I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if this script was written in 2019 mm-hmm. or uh, 1999, you know? Right, right. There's no... Uh, you can't really put them in a in a time, I guess. Is that is it supposed to be the seventies? Is it supposed to be the eighties? I never able to figure that out because it just looks dirty to me. So I can't figure out if it's modern or not. Well, he goes heavy on the TV effect yeah. that uh, you can find in Final Cut Pro, <laughs> uh-huh. and uh, I mean, listen, I didn't actually hate that. I thought he overdid it quite a bit. I yeah. thought okay, it, it, it's a similar thing with the fanatic, where the fanatic was. I mean, there were problems with it on a technical. On more like a story level, and also with the acting, and it's a similar case here, although not as bad. But as far as the editing went, I thought it was pretty smooth, and it made up for some of those flaws mm. a little bit. Even though he goes a little too hard in that direction with the media aspect. Yeah, it had a couple of very uh, film school edits or yes. transitions. A couple of transitions. Like the guys who. The guys who mm. tried to do like grindhouse ripoffs for YouTube back in yeah. 2007. Mm-hmm. That's what it yeah. felt like at times. I don't know. So, I, I mean, I, 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 I was going to say Sherry Moon Zombie's acting also has really declined since she, she has last been on screen. Like she used to, she was never a good actor. Let's no. make that very clear. But when she was younger, she at least had like the peppy, perky kind of attitude that you could almost. <laughs> Like, like you can follow that at least, but now she's tired and old and she's trying to do that thing and it doesn't work at all. I have that written. That was like the first thing I wrote down um, because when they show her and, uh, you know, everyone that's handling her in jail, it's, it's just fat older women that, you know, are going to get beaten up. Uh, And then they do. And then her dialogue or her line, like she hasn't changed at all from the last movie, but she just looks old and tired. So like, her meowing now is just like, all right, lady, you know, stop it. You know, it's not like, oh, okay, so she's good looking. She's young and perky and like playful. So that's how you get them. But now she's she looks like a, you know, a, a, a diner worker from Jersey. 
uh, was trying to get you to get her, like that soda scene where the guy's just nervous and, oh, this cute girl is flirting with me. And it's just, no, it's just an older woman now. Like, it just doesn't doesn't work at all. And, and they should have changed the character at least a little bit, but it's just the same. Uh, so whatever time has gone by, she went to jail and she was abused and beaten up and whatever. Uh, and she's just still trying to be the, you know, the cute, perky 23-year-old, but it's just... It just it just feels like an old woman playing that character now. Do you think it takes away from the sequel, The Devil's Rejects, because they decide, oh, we're bringing these characters back, even though they clearly died in that second movie? And they, they do make it clear at the beginning here. It's like, oh, it's almost impossible that they'll survive those injuries. And yet, and then you get the media storm where it's kind of like natural born killers, but yeah. I... minus, like like backed up 20 years. I just think that if you have 10 years to think of a way to bring them back, you should probably come up with something better than, oh, look, it's a miracle. You know, oh, they survived. All right, let's move on with the story. They didn't even spend 30 seconds on that, even though. But there's no, I don't I don't even think there was any creative way to do that because it was so concrete that they died at the end of that last movie. And that was their end. Like the only way to do that is to. To get around that would be to do a prequel. And they're all way too old now. I mean, one of them is dead. So, I, I like, where you're cornered. If you really want to continue this story with these characters, you, you really have no other option. Also, I felt really bad for, for Sid there because he, like, if that's what you're going to do with a character, you just don't have him. He was in it for, what, three minutes? And he... Like, he just looked... And I know he was dying, so obviously, like, he did as good as he could but he just looked tired like he didn't look like the menacing character that you were afraid of he just looked like a frail old man that was still trying to threaten but he was more pathetic than anything else uh and i think it, it was a really shitty way of ending that character which was such a hit in the last two movies the face of this franchise pretty much yeah and i mean it's a tough situation to be in if you rob zombie because my my assumption here was that he started filming with sid haig and had some rendition of that character being alive and getting out in the script and then he got sick and sid haig did get sick months before he wound up dying right so that probably happened and then you know he had to maybe set some things aside rewrite the script with this brand new character who's otis's prison buddy they get out so what do you do in the scenario where he winds up dying, do you include the footage that you have, or do you just say he died in the 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 gunfire from the second film? What I mean, because one is a more respectable artistic decision, which is just le- excising his character completely from mm-hmm. this movie and saying, "Okay, he didn't make it. We have the two who made it." That's a little more believable. I can almost go along with that. But at the same time, this is the last footage of Sid Haig. It's very Bill Lugosi with Ed Wood. Doing uh, what was that movie? Plan Plan Nine from Outer, from Space, Outer Space, where you just have him walking along a path with a cape, <laughs> pretend just like doing something, trying to be. So I mean, what do you do? <laughs> yes, what do you, I, what do you do in that situation? I I would have liked it if he just didn't make it. You know, let's okay. So you have like a little tribute where you show which they did. They show uh, scenes from the last movie, and that's it. And it's just a, a blank slate from this new character because. At the end of the last movie, you still see him, even though he gets killed, quote unquote, he still is like, fuck you to everyone, right? So he got away with whatever he wanted to get away with. In this one, you show him in jail, sick and weak and frail 
trying to still be menacing, but he's not. Uh, so I, I don't know. It's it's tough because, yeah, it's the last footage that you have of him alive. But I think that it just didn't do anything for the movie. I think it actually took back from from that. And, and I feel like if he wasn't there, maybe this new character would have worked a little bit better because you wouldn't be so focused on, you know, trying to see how he works with the other two, comparing it to Captain Spaulding. It would just be like, you know, he's not even a, a thought. I mean, he would be. But, but you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like that would have worked better for the story. Now, you watched this movie today. I watched it back when I was on vacation. So maybe about 10 days ago. Refresh my memory. Do they establish that third character in the beginning? Or is he just introduced right when the prison breakout is occurring? Honestly, I was kind of watching the first half hour. So I didn't pay that much attention. But if I'm not mistaken, he just shows up. Uh, with Otis. So he Otis just shows up to a house and he's there. So I'm not entirely sure what the setup was uh, because I wasn't really paying that much attention at the beginning. Oh, geez. Oh, cool. <laughs> this is not going to be a great analysis. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 he saved Otis's life and the two broke out together. Yeah. And like the, the impression you're, it seems like Rob Zombie's trying to convey is that they're kind of like uh, Henry and Otis. Mm-hmm. Uh, the actual serial killers. Otis Toll, um, Henry Lee Lucas. O- Otis Toll, Henry Lee Lucas, yeah. So that seems to be the vibe he's trying to pick up. And if that's the case, you know, if that's really what you want to do with this movie, then why not just make it them, those two? Do you really have to shoehorn your wife in there? And she's not even, like, part of the action no. for a good portion of the movie. It is just them taunting uh, those two married couples and trying to hide out. And then all of a sudden, Sherry Moon Zombie is added to the mix like three quarters of the way through the movie. And then you end on like a big uh, Mexican shootout essentially, which I mean, this movie is kind of a mess Uh, outside of this film though. How do you feel about Rob Zombie as a director, just period in general? He's fine. He makes uh, a visually, striking movies but i don't think there's any substance to them so it sounded like you had to convince yourself <laughs> to say that it's because i feel like he's and uh, and i i do enjoy his movies but i feel like it's a lot of just style so i'm wondering if if uh like just bring the uh, thinking back to halloween which is not a franchise that he came up with i really didn't like what he did with that i like the kid thing like i didn't really care for that um but I feel like he might be a little too much Rob Zombie. So he's right now in a place where if you're going to watch a movie, you already know what you're getting from him. It's going to be that, you know, raunchy dialogue and you're going to have dirty people that haven't showered in months and and something creepy happens. Uh, and uh, it felt very Tim burton to me where he has a couple of really good movies at the beginning and then... And then when you watch a Tim Burton movie, you're just like, oh, this is just a Tim Burton movie. Like, you already know what's going to happen. And I'm afraid that some of his career is kind of like that. Uh, I He doesn't sell a movie for me. Like, I'm not excited whenever he gets announced for anything. Even though, you know, for this one, I was looking forward just because I was such a fan of the previous two. But I just think his, he's like a five in a one to ten scale where uh, if you have something creepy and dirty for him to do... It, could work really well, but I can't see him directing a, you know, a, a, a internal drama like a cancer movie or something like that. You know, like so I feel like but, he's but, very limited. Would he would he want <laughs> to do that? I mean, 
Unless he became down on his luck and he started doing like direct to red box films where, I mean, they were just like, all right, well, we have this. We have Patch Adams, too, that you can do. Well, but if you, if you go back to the, the compare him to Tim Burton, which is at first just style, pretty much, uh, he ended up having to go out of that. I don't know if he was bored of it or they, he just got offered a bunch of money, but he did get out of that a little bit. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Rob Zombie trying to be more of an artist try that but i can't imagine him directing anything that's not his work you know even those halloween movies like they're they feel very much like a rob zombie halloween movie so i guess it's very limited when it comes to you know the things that he can do maybe i i I don't know if that's necessarily the case i think maybe you might i think you're probably more correct than incorrect there and that his vision might be too strong right and it might be unappealing for companies to take him on as a creative entity to handle whatever given property I mean, would that really be something he'd want to do, though? The majority of his films, like, I, I, I'll, I'll be real. I, I don't think that he's, um, you know, one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. I wouldn't put him in the same uh, quality uh, category as, like, someone like Lars von Trier or right. or, uh, or, or like Michael Hynek or, or something like that. Um, but I do give him a lot of credit, and I consider him a, a real legitimate director, and I don't consider many people that. I don't consider somebody like a James Gunn like that okay. any longer anybody who sells out to any of these major corporations makes their movies uh he hasn't really done that i mean all of his movies for the most part except for the two halloween films that you had cited have been creations of his own like mm-hmm. even his last one which i incorrectly said was lords of salem uh he did 31 which oh. was yeah not not well received he had to crowdfund that one i believe well, there you go. So, uh, how did this this did one do? Did it do well? That on one, the box office? Oh, no, this one, the no. three from hell. So th- this one's a little tricky. Okay, now it's difficult to say whether or not this is a success or failure just yet, because a movie like this is going to make most of its money back through Amazon and streaming platforms, right? Right. But based off of so, this movie was made with a three million dollar budget. Which cool, great. I mean, that's 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 fine. That's wonderful. Where uh, you don't where did that money go? You don't. That money came from Saban Films, no, but, best known for oh. Power Rangers and the new Jay and Silent Bob movie. Oh wow, okay. But I'm but so they. What I'm wondering is what they spent those three million on because there's nothing in this movie that I guess. My, I mean, three million is not that a lot of money, but but the guns. <laughs> The the dirty, abandoned locations? I think the prison sets in the actors and craft services is probably where that money wound up going. Mm-hmm. It has made, uh, through a limited theatrical engagement, $2.24 million. All right. Well, Which, compared to The Fanatic, which got a limited theatrical run, <laughs> right? We, we saw what that made, which was $2,000. You got to assume they're losing money when the movie makes only two thousand dollars at the box office. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. To, um, now, if you were to compare um, Fred Durst as a director to Rob Zombie, uh, which mm. one? Which one would you would you think <laughs> would you think comes? I mean, I guess Rob Zombie has made more movies, but they're both music- musicians, right? Very successful in sure. their own their own way. Both from a similar time. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there's an overlap there for yeah. certain. But I think I think Rob Zombie is the more respectable 
filmmaker. <laughs> I mean, it, it would depend on what Fred Durst does with the future of his career because I, I could actually see him making some interesting movies if he focused hard enough and had enough money and the right people working with him. Right. Will that happen? I'm not hopeful. <laughs> okay. I just thought I threw that out there, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like he's he's uh he's someone that can make something look good, but I don't know. I don't know if uh if I would pick them as uh pick um Rob Zombie as, you know, a, a top 10, top 20 list of people that I'm excited about when it comes to watching anything. Because like now thinking back, I was looking at his IMDb and uh yeah, I've I've liked House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects and here we are. You know, that's pretty much it. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, I guess I just don't see him as highly as you do. Well, I, I think I do because he's an auteur, right? right. He doesn't make uh, films that can just blend in and are for public consumption. You have to basically be into his shit in order to enjoy his shit. Now, that doesn't always work out. With this one, I, I think it probably... It kind of feels just like a redundant film. Yeah. I don't know if there was ever saving any of it the minute that he decided this was going to be a good idea to roll with. I, I, I think he felt like he had reached a point where he struck out with the last couple of movies. The Halloween films that he did were much uh, contested by the fans. Uh, some people really love them. A lot of people who enjoy Michael Myers hate those mm-hmm. films. They don't consider them like legitimate, I guess. So I, I feel like he, he felt like he was at a point in his career where he had to go back to the well, which it seems like that's becoming more and more common. Like you say, <laughs> well, not not quite related, but also New England filmmakers, the Farrelly brothers, before one of them went on to win a Best Picture Oscar for Green Book, they were trying to do comedy still, right? Oh, no. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they weren't really hitting. They did, like, a bunch of forgettable Owen Wil- Hall Pass. Hall, yeah. uh, Hall Pass was with uh, Owen Wilson, Stephen Merchant, and uh, the now-forgotten Jason Sudeikis. Uh, rest in peace. <laughs> he, I mean, they, they, they did that. That was a big they flop. They fucking and- killed his career, huh? He came out of, <laughs> I don't know if it was them specifically, but because he came out of he, SNL as the you know he's gonna be the next big thing in comedy because he's so funny and he's handsome and he's like charismatic and whatnot when he came out of SNL and then he did what like three or four romantic comedies and goodbye like that's it I don't but here's the thing he didn't even have that reputation they just decided to cast him because. I, I don't know. He was like a generic, okay looking guy. I guess, I guess when you, talent. when you go back, yeah, when you go back to SNL and like try to pick someone that would be good there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, he, he, I liked him in SNL back in those days. So I, I guess I thought his career will go further than it is now. But then again, there's also, uh, what's the guy from The Office who also, I also thought that might have a career in comedy and, no, Jim. Not uh, No, no, no. I mean, his career is fine because he got that movie made. What was it? Um, a Quiet Place. The, a Quiet Place, and he, they're doing a sequel to that. He's he's in fine standing. He's uh, what is it? Jack Reacher. Who's the character that uh, Harrison Ford and Chris Pine played? Uh, J- Jack Reacher was was uh, Tom Cruise, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Okay, not him. That it's uh, Hunt for Red October. What is that character? I have no idea. I don't know. Doesn't matter. It's a forgettable show. It'll be canceled once Amazon starts losing a little bit of money on it. Well, I remember him being rumored for Captain America even uh, because of his charisma. But I just don't. I don't know. I guess I thought he would have a, a career in comedy because of The Office, but. He's sad because of that franchise. That's what we should do. A horror movie that has sequels <laughs> so that we can make fucking money on a retarded-ass, dumb movie that makes no sense like that movie. Do you talk about that mm. one? Do you make a podcast about that fucking movie, Quiet Place? Stinks. No. It's really bad. No. It's really bad. I, I didn't hate it, but I mean... It's dumb. It's so dumb. <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of problems with it. But yeah, I mean, I, just to rewind on Jason Sudeikis, like, he got <laughs> grandfathered into these mainstream comedies like uh horrible bosses one and two yeah uh, yeah hall pass was the beginning of the end actually no no it wasn't i'm talking out of my ass right now hall pass came before horrible bosses and we're the millers which both were pretty successful so it, it seems like his career fell apart as a result of masterminds the 2016 comedy film starring uh zach galifianakis oh. owen wilson mm-hmm. and Kristen wigg I remember that one. Did you go see it? In no, the no, no. I, Did I didn't see it. I just remember seeing that cast and I was like, this would be funny in 2005. No, don't want and to then he it. was in yeah. the Alexander Payne science fiction comedy Downsizing starring Matt Damon. Remember that when they shrink everybody down into like a little bottle? You can live in that small town. No. What? With like they honey, shrink- I shrunk the kids. So the idea is that, uh-oh, global warming is going to kill us. We have uh, to shrink everybody uh, so there's less space. The carbon emissions, you know, you can get more bang for your buck. Makes sense. Uh, and they shrink Matt Damon down to go live in, like, a bottle cap city. Who made that bottle cap city? That was, uh, that was Alexander Payne, director no, of no, no, no. Sideways. Who, who, and who created the city that he lives in, if no one's that little? I, how would I know that? <laughs> you I didn't watch it. the film. Oh, you didn't? Oh, okay. No. So that that was kind of the fall off for Jason Sudeikis. He had a couple of other movies. Oh, he was in Booksmart, another uh, not critical flop, another financial flop. Who did that? That was his wife's movie, uh, Olivia uh, Wilde. Yeah, she's pretty. I don't know what she's directing. That that's mean, but you know, <laughs> you know, seven point three. I mean, I'm sure it's it's a, a good comedy about a teenager who no one understands in high school. Is that what that is? It's what I've heard is it's feminist super bad. Wonderful. Which is sounds you know, it explains a lot about the box office of that film. Wait, so it's just I always see it at the red box. So just two girls um trying to get laid but doing it in a very safe and sanitary way, is that it? Right. It's it's I mean the, the premise from what I know, I could be wrong about this, is the bucket list plus super bad where it's like we're going to do everything bad this summer. Is there a scene where she's dancing with a random man and he comes on her leg? Because if that would the, be atrocious. That, <laughs> that would be cuz that's the you know the reverse of the super bad thing. They can't go that And up, it is they can't go that Jonah up. Hill's little sister is the fat dumpy one. Oh wow. Really fucking a family. Be- Beanie Feldstein? That's her. Is that his real name? I don't think that's his name. He's he I think that might be his half sibling. His his mom is only like uh seven years older than him. Where's he from? <laughs> 
He's a, a pure, purebred Californian in every way. I believe his dad is a wealthy man who is uh, much older than he and his mother. Well, it says here that her dad is Richard F- Feldstein, and her brother's name is Jordan Feldstein. So I'm assuming Jonah Hill's name is Jonah Feldstein, which is the Jewish's name in Hollywood, Jonah Feldstein. From what I know, his parents met at a concert and she was underage and he was like 40 years old at the time. And he just so happened to be a very wealthy guy. And uh, they're not together. Someone found her on Tinder one day and Jonah Hill was just in the background of the photo. Just eating Fruit Loops or something. And someone someone wound up posting about that on Twitter. Like, I found Jonah Hill's mom on Tinder. Oh, that sucks. That fucking sucks. Your mom like she probably did that not even thinking. Like she doesn't think of Jonah Hill as famous celebrity, jo- two-time Academy Award nominee Jonah Hill. She's just like, oh, that's my my my, my disappointing son. Yeah, <laughs> my fat son that's not fat now anymore. Is he? He, he was kind out. of fat. So I mean, what, what was the origin of this question? I don't know. Something about Rob Zombie and Fred Durst oh, wait, and Jason Sudeikis' waning career. I wanted to bring something up because when you said. Um, you know, having to go back to the well because, you know, his previous couple of films didn't work out as well. <clears throat> hmm. uh, how about the parallel with Kevin Smith there then? Cause Ke- well, I mean, this th- actually, that just reminded me. That's wh- what I was talking about, the Farrelly brothers, right? Right. I was making that point with them. And we can talk about Kevin Smith in a minute because he's doing the exact same thing. Every filmmaker, every popular filmmaker from the 90s, <laughs> it's, it's, the trajectory is the exact same. So I don't know. Uh, maybe the next film after this will really work out for him and Kevin Smith. He'll get Best Picture nominations. Like Spike Lee. There you go. But the Farrelly brothers, when they did Hall Pass and that didn't make any money, they were like, all right, what can we do next? Dumb and Dumber 2. That is, that's the ticket. People will line up for that. And they were right. People did line up for that. Really? And it got Oof. one of the Farrelly brothers the ability to go direct Green Book. And then he's this big Academy Award winner. So How do you get Green <laughs> that connection dumb and dumber and green book i don't see it no 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 not dumb and dumber that was the shia labeouf film from 2004 oh, where you true. had two other guys that was a prequel dumb and dumber 2 yes that that was the prequel with bob saget and mimi rogers i think shia labeouf yeah he's the janitor in that film that was right after even stevens jesus christ how many times have you seen that movie that you remember that shia labeouf is a janitor in it that's not a terrible movie, I'll tell you that. I think that movie got more laughs than Dumb and Dumber 2, which okay. starred the original actors. It's because you can get away with more stupid shit back in the day, I guess, right? So they're just more retarded. Maybe, but they kind of play it up like they're both retarded in this movie, like literally retarded, and they're in a home to be taken care right. of because they're mentally deficient. So I, it, it wasn't like... the. 2014 was right on the cusp of like when mainstream comedy didn't change just yet, but it was getting there. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the humor in Dumb and Dumber 2 just didn't work. It was really lame and dated. And, uh, you know, it was made for $50 million and it made $170 million. So <laughs> Universal was like, great. Okay, you can come work for us again. And that was after Hall Pass flopped. And, and that's how he got, you know... Money for a green book. I, I, Presumably. 
Because, I mean, the way that things work is if you have a hit, then you're more likely to be contracted for several films right. by a company. Like Clint Eastwood was contracted to Warner Brothers basically his entire life because he just provided hit after hit. They kept renewing his his uh, contract with them. Right. So if you wind up in director jail, then you're on the outs. You need a home, essentially, or nobody's going to fund your movie. Um, is that the same thing that happened with Joe Dirt, too? The director was just wanting to get back to making movies. That came out, right? The director, the, I mean, the director there doesn't matter when it comes to those types of movies. I think David Spade was probably calling the shots and maybe Adam Sandler from afar. I mean, those guys are just directors for hire. So every like so David Spade and his friends don't have to worry about responsibilities. They just have to act on camera and then that's it. Right. And also, Dumb and Dumber 2 was done by Universal, which also released Green Book. So it's entirely... Mm-hmm. Possible. Wow. Uh, do we have anything to add on 3 from Hell? Here. I thought the line, uh, man, Mexico sucks, that she said, even though we've only seen a place that looks the same. Like, I guess, <laughs> I guess because of the budget, they weren't able to do a scene where they cross the border, which kind of felt missing to me because they just showed up in Mexico, even though the whole country is looking for them. Uh, but then the place that they go to in Mexico looks exactly like the place they, they lived in uh, on Devil's Rejects. So at no point I felt like they were anywhere else. Uh, so I'm wondering if that line of, man, Mexico sucks, was just so you could be like, oh, I guess they're in a different place now. You know? Besides, Yeah, the- I think that was entirely it. I mean, the the, the clear hallmark of this movie uh, that shows that they're working with an extremely low budget is that they could only get Danny Trejo on screen for eight <laughs> seconds. Yeah. A guy who shows up in everything and you can keep him there the whole movie for like a hundred bucks. They they couldn't get him for more than maybe like a minute of screen time. And then it's, oh, it's his brother who comes back and tries to yeah. get revenge. Great. Wasn't his dad? Luchador mask. I thought it was his dad. Was it his dad? I think so, yeah. No, Danny Trejo's like 80 years old. This guy was in his 40s. Yeah. I think Danny Trejo's looked 70 for like his entire career. Sure. Let's see. I mean, he's spent his life in the sun, going <laughs> to prison on occasion. What a career from that guy. You know, everyone will know you for years now. And uh, you went from what, a drug dealer, you know, real tough guy in jail. Uh, yeah, yeah. What else do we have for the notes that you took on this great film? Uh, who hired the clown? That was a uh, <laughs> that was a thing for me when he just showed up. I was like, "What? Why is this clown showing up all of a sudden?" But I do want to see a Joker movie with Clint Howard starting as a Joker. After that, so I would really like oh. to. That was was that who was that actor? It looked a lot like Clint Howard. It was Clint Howard, right? I. I think it was Clint Howard. Okay. He'll he'll do these kinds of movies because well, I mean, what is his claim to fame? Being the ice cream man in that direct yeah. video horror movie, just being an ugly man. <laughs> yeah, the less successful Howard. Yeah, no, that's it. This movie was just it just felt like completely unnecessary to me. I didn't really. I mean, if he if he just wanted to get back to the well and see if he could get a little bit of relevance back, uh, or at least his name out there because of the Firefly family or whatever. I don't know. I feel like he should have done more with the story uh, because he did have 10 years, is it? Over 10 years? 
Yeah, I mean that that first movie came out around 2003, I want to say, and then Devil's Rejects was probably around 2005 or six. Yeah. So it just uh, it, it was a dis- disappointing to me, especially coming off uh, Devil's Rejects, which I I still think it holds up. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't really care for this one at all. I mean, this could have been a strategically planned layup. We're talking about how people go on to do bigger projects after they go back to the well. Maybe he needed this to look like a reliable uh, source of income for a bigger company. Maybe he wants to go do a Netflix film. Who knows? Do you think there's a future for the Firefly family? I may. Uh, it's hmm. open-ended. Maybe. I mean, it doesn't really, it doesn't feel like a concrete ending like the last film. Or even, or I, I mean, look, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses had somewhat of an open-ended finale to it, but it still felt more concrete than this mm-hmm. movie. So that's probably in his head. He's uh, uh, messing with these characters yet again, or maybe for like a real final time. Ugh. Just where do you go from here? I mean, but, but look, at this point, he, he did this movie, so he crossed the bridge. What, I mean, what would, what would really be the harm in doing a fourth one or a fifth one? Or just turning it into a series of four movies. So you think he's just going to make them until they die? <laughs> until uh, I mean, even in death, that didn't stop him. Fair enough. When it came to so babies, babies just gross. Uh, it's like, lady, why are you meowing? Get away from me! <laughs> You're creepy. No, I'm, I will not buy you a soda, lady. Uh, and Otis is just—he just looks the same because of the makeup. So I guess you could do that with him, but. I think even if Sherry Moon Zombie blimped out like a hundred pounds and got to sixty years of age, he would still be doing like sexy thong shots of her. <laughs> like he's just trying to convince himself that he loves his wife at age fifty-four. Just her skeletal body, and her bad tattoos, trying to be sexy. Yeah. I'm good. I don't hate her. That's the thing. But like now, because of this, like I'm just like I. All right, enough with you. Uh, this is very again. That, that's why I wanted to do the the parallel with Kevin Smith because Kevin Smith is doing the same thing with his daughter. Uh, they just she's now on everything he does, and she's one of the main roles every time. And she's not very good, and she doesn't look like him. Uh, um, no, she looks a lot like J- Jason Mewes. Uh, so, yeah. Weirdly enough, I don't know if anyone has noticed this, but. So I, that was something I put out in the group chat earlier today because I saw a picture of her, Kevin Smith, and and Jay, and it I, I, she doesn't look a thing like Kevin Smith. And I remember back when you would go on like message boards back in two thousand five, two thousand six, people would talk about how they saw his wife at some event, and she was sitting on Jason Mews' lap. Like and it was just like a meet and greet or whatever, right back after one of his uh, live shows, Kevin Smith. Right, right, right. And we know, based off his own podcast, that he's into seeing his wife messed around with. And in Clerks too, he had uh, Brian Halloran or O'Halloran, O'Halloran, who plays, yeah, hook up with his wife, yeah. who is the love interest of that film. And uh, I, he said on like the commentary track or one of the special features, it was kind of weird the way that Kevin framed the whole thing. So this is, I mean, that was clearly at least his thing back then. And then we see that his daughter has developed into a young woman and she looks a lot more like <laughs> Jason Muse. a lot. She's like 6'5 and Kevin's like 5'5. Five, five. <laughs> she looks huge. Yeah. 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 He's like this little dark featured, uh, uh, presumably like Italian yeah. guy. And okay. she's blonde 
the shape of her face is exactly like Jason Mewes. Her nose is exactly like his. She looks like a mixture of Jason and his wife, Jennifer <laughs> Schwarbach. Are we doing the Pat Oswalt kill his wife thing again? <laughs> <laughs> Put it out there. This one's more believable, though. This one I would believe more than that one and also the Joey Diaz is gay one. Look, if Patton had a history of domestic assault or something like that, that would be one thing. But there is a, a there's a record here with Kevin Smith enjoying yeah. other men enjoying his wife to some degree. And uh, fans have talked about it before. Like it was an insult online and Cuck was as big as like it is currently. People were talking about his wife being uh both like derogatory towards Kevin behind the scenes and also being very close with his friends. So I think there's something to this. I would like to see them on Maury within the next (laughs) couple of months. Um, But I mean, who knows? It could be like that movie that, that uh, you commented on where it's like, Oh, my son is black and my husband is white, but I didn't cheat. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. That looked good. It could we be should, one of those scenarios. We should, we should do an episode on that movie. I completely forgot that it existed. What was it I mean, called? between what my baby is what black? Jerry told us. <laughs> yeah, no, yes, that's right. <laughs> my baby is black. The the propaganda nineteen thirties film. We'll do a double feature oh, between those two. It's so funny. You should, anyone that listens to this should should just go on YouTube and search for "My Baby Is Black" and listen to what what, what would that be? Fifties, forties radio. No, I think that was I think that was 30s or 40s, and it was like a I think it was a PSA film that they put out. In oh theaters. yeah, that's true. It was a film. Fuck yeah, it's great. You should just search for it. We should do it. No, we shouldn't do an episode of that. <laughs> I don't know if it, that would get us kicked <laughs> off of iTunes. I think. Yeah. Okay. You're right. Fine. We should do the other one though, and then we mention this one. Just so it's the new one. Yeah, I think that could be fun. To to check that I mean it looked like a lifetime movie. Yeah. You know? So it might not be fun. It might not be bad enough to be fun, just cheesy. The the trailer might be the most fun had with that movie uh. is the thing. Uh anyway, we're gonna wrap the show up on that note. Three from hell. I'll tell you what, we had a lot of complaints about it, but I still enjoyed it overall. I didn't feel like it was a waste of time. I thought it was okay, this is another episode of Rob Zombie's Theater. Uh, I didn't really gain anything from it, but I didn't hate it either i didn't aggressively dislike this movie i just saw the flaws and i was like all right yeah exactly what i expected did it feel long to you it it was it was a bit long you could have shaved off a good 20 minutes 30 minutes of that movie especially because nothing made it feel more concise nothing happens i think the problem the problem with it is that the sections of it feel too detached Mm -hmm. As a whole, you have the beginning where it's like the media bit and it feels like a YouTube essay. And then you go to the middle and you've got a lot of like Sherry Moon zombie uh, fighting the guards at the prison and the warden. And Dee Wallace is for some reason in this. I guess she's down on her luck. And then we have the conclusion. And he, he also kind of plays with the timeline of events needlessly. Like there's no reason to jump into the future and then rewind back and do yeah. this and that. Like it's. I don't know. There was no purpose to it. it didn't solve. I mean, it, it it didn't serve a function to the story. I, I kind of wish I could have a look at the script before the Sid High thing happened or whatever he had to change 
to see if the original story made a little bit more sense or was better, you know, played out than than that. Because if he did have to change a lot, that would make a lot of sense in this movie because it feels so detached like that. So I'm wondering if maybe the original script has a better movie in it. He probably got it approved by Saban Films literally <laughs> a day before Sid Haig died. Oh. That's that's my guess. I don't know. He might have shot that all on his own, just like just in case, you know, something I mean, you're getting kind of old, Sid. You're 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 pushing ninety here. Yeah. I wanna collect some footage and then we'll use it somehow. The Edward thing, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He did that before he came up with Plan Nine. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Go go get your loved ones now, film footage of them. I've been doing this with my aunt, you've been doing it with your dad. <laughs> And then make that money later on down the road when they're long gone. So anyway, this has been Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. Uh, I mean, I guess the the lesson here is just exploit the elderly, you know? I agree. (laughs) Okay. 